guys, we are back for a very exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play for a couple of reasons. First, the guest tonight is a personal friend of mine, a guy that I've played some golf with, and a guy that just travels the world playing golf, quite frankly. I mean, yes, he writes about it, but I think I look at his Instagram and his Facebook feed, and he's just traveling all over the place playing golf. And he's usually got a Tiburon shirt on, so keep doing that, Michael. But I'm also excited for tonight's episode because this is episode 100 of the hashtag Wednesday match play presented by Eat Sleep Golf. So I grabbed a bottle of champagne. I had to, I had to toast. It's four o'clock in the morning where this guy is. So I'm sure he's not got a champagne glass in front of him, but he's got some coffee. But I'm just so excited that we have been able to go through a hundred episodes of the show. We have a laundry list of guests already dialed in coming up in the rest of season three. So as we go along with this show, I'm trying to get more dialed in to how many episodes we do per season and just trying to get bigger and better guests. So, you know, last week we had Gary Van Sickle from Sports Illustrated on the show. The first father-son duo, his son from the web.com tour, had been on the show earlier this season. Next week we have former PGA Tour player Bobby Clampett coming on the show. He runs a golf academy now here in Naples called Impact Zone Golf. So he spends a lot of time talking about that next week. We have about 20 more guests that are just on a list that we're just trying to pick off and I love just getting new guests and new thoughts on this show. But tonight, we've got Michael Alltop with us from KeepGolfing.com, and he's got more than just KeepGolfing.com. So he's got a lot of different things and a lot of irons in the fire, and I feel like he's always going to meetings, and he's always traveling to these fun places, and he's always playing some of the best golf courses on the planet. And I'm lucky enough to have spent some time with him in the home of golf, which we'll talk about tonight. I had so much fun in San Andrews with him. I'm going to go see him later this year in August in Dublin, and then we're going to head up to Northern Ireland and play some golf together. So I'll stop talking. Happy episode 100. And Michael, welcome to the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. Thanks, Ricky. And first of all, of course, congratulations to the 100th show. And it's a great honor to be your guest, especially on that show. Yes, it's 4 a.m. in the morning where I'm currently staying because that's Germany, or as we call it, a wonderful day in the office. That's one of the compromises you have to do if you want to play some golf later on, which unfortunately will not happen today. Now, yeah, as I just mentioned, I'm doing a couple of things and more or less, I'm just doing what you just described. I'm combining traveling and golf. My main occupation, my background is I'm a business consultant in the travel industry. So I'm pretty much related with stuff like processes and strategies to tour operators and travel agencies and all the distributors in the industry. And then a couple of years after I started this with my own consultancy company, I discovered there is a gap between golf, which I just played for leisure reasons at that time, and the travel industry and how all those destinations are presenting themselves and are presented within a couple of magazines, blogs, stuff like that. So as you know, what will business consultants do if they will find a market they think which is not presented in the way it should be, they start to do it the way they think it should be. That's what we did. We did it with a thing that's one of the first things we both have in common. We both have dogs. And as you know, perhaps, uh, as you, I don't know if you've seen them at the Elf Course in St. Andrews at the Home of Golf, they allow ducks at the home of golf you even don't have to put them on the leash which is pretty pretty rare and uncommon now we always have the situation say okay where can we take our ducks in germany with us on the course because it's a fantastic experience it's a lot of fun we didn't find any appropriate source that's been the day when we launched the portal golf mit which is 
golfing with dogs and we are listing all the golf courses where golfers can take their dogs with them. This led in consequence to our first own tournament series. It's what you see here with the logo. It's called Hugo Cup, a cup with a cup. And we kept on with that. Then in consequence, as you know, part of being a consultant in the travel industry is I am definitely traveling a lot. And I always had the opportunity to play really one of the most fascinating courses all over the world. And I started to say, okay, just focusing on the part of where can you take your dog with you is one part, but the other part is there are so many fantastic places where you can go to all over the world. Let it be Florida, let it be South Africa, let it be continental Europe, for instance, France is one of the destinations I love. Italy is a special favorite of mine. And I start documenting all my experiences as I'm taking a lot of pictures when I'm traveling. And I think I have, after more or less 35 to 40 years background in the travel industry, I think I've got a couple of experiences that I would like to share with people. And that's the day when we launched keepgolfing.com to share all those experiences around traveling and golfing with our community. That is awesome. And the dog thing. So um, at this time, unfortunately, dogs are not allowed at Tiburon. And I wonder if that's Ooh, a pain funny thing. But yeah, I think we should. Because <laughs> I've joked sometimes that Charlie, our little dog, I'm going to take him and he's going to be my caddy. But he's about the size of my head cover for my driver. So he's a very small dog. So I don't think he'd be a very good caddy. But I always love your content. I love what you post. Pictures, whether you're on a safari, whether you're playing golf. We, you and I played Tiburon. I played nine holes because it was so windy that I uh, was afraid I was going to get blown away. So I went in and that was like nothing for you. You've played that before. So that's a good segue. You know, the you know what we say in, Ger uh, in Germany and in Europe? As long as the pin stays on the hole, the course is playable. And that was given that day. Hey, we had 145 <laughs> mile an hour winds not that long ago with Hurricane Irma ripped through here. So I have a feeling the pins did not stay in the hole <laughs> when that storm ripped through. Yeah. So, I didn't know you were copying the scene from Caddyshack, so... <laughs> it was probably worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've mentioned you've played a lot of golf courses. This is a tricky question. I'm sure one that's hard to answer, but what's the best course you've ever played, and what's the worst course you've ever played? Hmm, really difficult question. I'm really, really having my difficulties in stating what's the best course, because... How do you define the best? Is it the best regarding the course conditions, the setup? Then definitely, for instance, your play course is among my absolutely favorites. If it's about the heritage of the game, it's no question. It's the old course at the home of golf. One of my favorite experiences, by the way, I played this course for the very first time in St. Andrews when all over the vicinity of St. Andrews, there was some light snow in March. All golfers unfortunately canceled their tee off time, so I had the old course with my caddy for exactly 75 minutes entirely on my own. That's been one of the best experiences I ever had. I had a chat with the greenkeepers while playing. It was a marvelous day. And of course, on the other hand side, regarding the layout, I have to admit, if you love, for instance, Lynx Golf, Royal County Down, Royal Portrush are fantastic courses. It's really hard to say. The worst course, well, uh, I would say so far, I didn't play 
a worse course because I think that's part of our age today in the internet. Of course, I'm checking feedbacks of other golfers before I pick a course as well. And when they, when a lot of golfers state that they're really not in favor of that course and trying to avoid it. So, so far, I really have not really been disappointed by any of the courses that I finally played. I've visited a couple of courses. I, for instance, in Germany last year, I had the situation, I played a course where the greens were in really a bad condition, but not due to any fault. It was just due to the weather, due to, for instance, some damage by wildlife and stuff like that. So therefore, I would never blame that on a course because they informed us prior to the round. So obviously, uh, the worst course, no. I can talk about a couple of worst rounds, but that's not to blame on the course, that's to blame on the golfer, and that's unfortunately himself. So to that point, though, I've played some courses that I've five and a half hour rounds, awful shape, yeah. terrible experience. But the people I played with made the day good. I have memories of paying $8 for a bucket of balls to pay $25 to play a course that's a five hour round. Yeah. But I had a great time. I remember certain shots. And I remember certain holes. Yeah. And, you know, the way I look at it, the older I get, the more I appreciate just being able to be healthy enough to be outside playing golf. Like that, that luxury and the ability to be able to do that. I don't care what the course conditions are. Granted, I'm not going to necessarily pay exactly. $500 to play Pebble Beach, but I could pay $25 to play a course that's in bad shape and has bad reviews. But if I'm playing, that's all I care yeah. about. I'm able to go out and play golf. Exactly. Now, the team at Eat Sleep Golf does a really good job with helping helping organize the questions for these shows. And it's interesting because in this season, we decided to go to an 18-question kind of a, a format. Front nine, back nine. The front nine, it's serious. It's focused on the brand. The back nine, it's fun. It's focused on golf. Now, this is a great question that I actually didn't know about. So a part of your website is focused on Hickory Golf. Tell sure. us a little bit more about that section, and do you like playing with Hickory Sticks? Have you had the chance to play 18 holes with Hickory Sticks? Uh, sure. I'll play Hickory Golf as often as I can. I just, by the way, I did it over the last weekend because I played the eldest golf course in Germany, which is a lovely executive course of six holes in the town of Bad Homburg near to Frankfurt. So Hickory Golf is what I can only recommend to every golfer because it's really making the difference between swinging a club and hitting a ball. So it's the perfect training even for the modern clubs. I'm a member of the German Hickory Golfer Society as well. So we are a community that is really focusing on it. And as I just mentioned, it's always an experience. So if you have an official tournament, <clears throat> you're dressing up in the way they did in the 1920s and the 1930s, especially women look so neat when they are setting up for such tournaments. And it's really, it's about fun. So you have no real expectation regarding the score but it's all about the experience. And definitely, I'll never forget the day when I first hit a Hickory Club. And a couple of days before, I have read that young Tom Morris played a hole-in-one on a par three that exceeded 200 yards. And if you ever hit a shot with a Hickory, an iron three, or which would be appropriate with modern clubs, in Hickory golf clubs, you will never believe you can be that precise. And so therefore, yes, it's definitely, I would say it's a passion within the game for me. I'm not playing it for the score, but I'm playing it for the experience. I'm playing it for the people I'm meeting when we're doing Hickory tournaments. So I absolutely love it. 
I've never hit a hickory club, so that I need to change that. We need to like make that. Like, yeah. I didn't have a bucket list until I played the old course, and now I'm thinking about <laughs> what I can have as a bucket list. So seeing where they built the Titanic, which I'm going to mark off this year, I've yeah. been shark diving, but I've never been cage diving with great whites. So next year, I'm going to go to South Africa and go <laughs> cage diving. Like It's that simple. Just tell me that I can't do it, and I will. Now, that's a good segue into this next question, because when you and I were at the home of golf uh, just a few months ago, we uh, we headed up to Gulane, and you got to meet a guy named Archie. Now, yeah. this guy was a treat to meet. He's in his 90s. He had stuff yeah. that, like, I mean, legit feathery golf balls and clubs, and he was just fun to talk to. You interviewed him, but how did you meet him, and kind of what has been the, the result of that visit with him? Well, Archie, first of all, is a living latch within the European golf community, especially if you're a bit focused on golf history, which is, by the way, part of if you play hickory golf, I think you're always interested in the background and in the history and heritage of the game. So, therefore, Archie is quite well, well known because, for instance, um, the former chairman of the European uh, Hickory Golfers Association, Lionel Friedman, was from Musselboro, which is quite close to Gawain. Uh, unfortunately, Lionel passed away last year. We now have memorial tournaments for him, which is pretty, pretty awesome as well. But that's why Archie is always well known. And he's a living legend because he is really focusing on what made the change in the game. He, he's not the traditional museum. It's about he's mixing up his experiences and he has such a lively, a vivid way to bring all his experience and all his knowledge to people that it's absolutely a great thing that you can see you experience suddenly his wife and his dogs passed and and it was absolutely like a family meeting that we had with him and of course i did two things i used it for my own reports and as we're having a section with him uh, germany's leading b2b magazine which is called golf manager we published it there in a combination with um the British Golf Museum, which is hosted at St. Andrews as well. It's pretty close to the path of the RNA. And uh, last year, by the way, I also had a report on the World of Hall of Fame from Florida. So therefore, we're always keeping some eyes on how the game developed and where you can experience how all started. So for instance, simple questions like, why do RNA people wear red jackets and club captains? So it goes back to the origins of the game. That is awesome. And he was such a, just that, it wasn't a museum. It was just literally yeah. like a garage filled with stuff. Yeah. Legit historical artifacts from this game. And I, yeah. I am glad that you were you were kind enough to take us and let me meet him sure. and just to, to share some stories with him. So that was, that was pretty cool. So speaking of sharing, you shared a pretty cool technology, and I'm, I'm pointing at the team at Eat Sleep Golf here. We need to figure out a way to get this on our side. So it's called Padcaster. You're using it right now. What is it? It yeah. seems like a pretty cool little setup. So talk a little bit about what that is and how you're using it. Uh, well, Padcaster is a tool that I met by recommendation of uh, World of Hall of Fame teacher Mike Adams, interestingly. And it was originally designed for just, first of all, recording things you can record whatever you want and what they are doing is that they are not setting up an entire set with selling their own camera which many many others do they're just assuming we have enough cameras in the market our smartphones are for instance tablets stuff like that and so therefore they said okay we like let's take this as the basis for the concept and literally put a frame on it and that's what they first of all did they made a very, very stable 
frame, which now enables us to put a smartphone or the tablet inside. And then they added further components, light, microphone, which I really appreciate if I want to do pre-defined texts for recording. You also have a small teleprompter that you may use. And it's once again, the same thing. They are providing the system for the teleprompter. They're using an existing app. It's called Parrot. And you can use your own smartphone just to install the app and then use this for teleprompting the text as you want. And so I was really, really uh, caught up by this. And of course, I used this year's PGA show in Orlando to have a small chat with them, to have a look at it, whether it's really, well, as I always say in technology, it's the difference between a tool and a toy. I really came to the conclusion that's a tool, it's no toy. I love the quality. I love really that it's quite easy. You have a small backpack where you can put everything in. And so it's really a fantastic system. And it is used, uh, for instance, in all educational business. If you do training videos, you can record them with them. And that's the background in the golf industry. Many, many golf teachers are using this system or similar systems nowadays to record it. So they have different types of microphones, they have wireless microphones. You can set up your set to whatever extension you wanted to do. Well, I'm pretty sure if they're not paying you, they should, because you might have just bought a <laughs> system for me. Like, I'm so impressed by this. And I have a brand new iPad, but I'm not getting the value out of it because I just watch Netflix and read the newspaper. Like, I mean, I'm not getting the value out of the <laughs> iPad. I think I might need to talk to the team over at Sleep Golf, wink, wink, if you're watching, and yeah. figure out how we can get that, just to up the technology that we have here on our end. And, you know, I got a light yeah. sitting next to me. It's not, it's, I mean, it's, it's not anything to write home about. It's not like the light that you have in front of you. And <laughs> the teleprompter might not be a bad idea, because I got a screen above me that I use to kind of read from. So now watch, I'm going to do that right now, because this next question yeah. is quite long. So, um, you know, you do such a good job reviewing golf courses, and you're also really, really good at taking photography of these courses. So right. I, I am I'm impressed with the 360 photos that you took when you were at Tiburon last. So besides of the photos that you're trying to take and the vision that you're on the golf course looking like this is a good angle and this is a good angle, what are you looking for for that review? Like, is it is it just the same kind of experience top to bottom from when you arrive until you leave, or are you looking for certain things at certain clubs? So how do you write a review for a facility? Well, I think it's different about writing and taking pictures. Regarding pictures, is always the question, what makes this course unique? And so therefore, I would always say, if a course has already two memorable holes, that's really, really a good design. What I'm trying to catch up is to give people an impression, what may they expect if they would like to play the course as well? So therefore, just that's why I like the 360 degrees pictures, just to take them, to put them more or less in place on any part of the course and say, okay, now let's have a look around and decide on whether that's more or less the vicinity you want to play a round of golf yourself. Regarding writing, it depends on who's my target group. So, for instance, if I'm writing for our own community on keepgolfing.com, it's about how can I describe the course in a way that it helps people to decide, is that a course I want to play personally? So, just to take one easy example, just mention two courses that I really love in Ireland, Royal Portrush and Royal County Down. Absolutely amazing Lynx Golf courses. But if you're not 
a golfer of a certain skill level, you will not be able to enjoy those courses. Because for instance, you need a certain distance for the tee off shot and you need to have certain skills regarding approach shots and stuff like that. And that's what I'm trying to transport within those reports. If I'm writing for our B2B magazine in Germany, it's more about how does this course or the entire club differentiate from others? What are they doing better perhaps than others? What could be a best practice example for other courses so that they can get new ideas what I'm introducing to them by the stories I'm writing about? So therefore, I'm not trying to copy the yardage book. That's not what I'm going to do because I always like to see a large book which says, okay, uh, aim your tee shot to the left, then make an approach shot to the right, depending on the pin position. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all about uh, pin positions and goal. And just two parts will leave an easy par. Yeah, that might be appropriate for the scratch golfer. As you just mentioned in the introduction, many golfers are not playing for score, they are playing for the experience. And so, for instance, that's the combination with pictures. Uh, you remember when we talked about um, the two courses at Tiburon, that, well, there are some holes where I personally enjoyed a few from the green to the tee box much more than from the tee box to the green. And that's a perspective I want to share with our community. To just say, hey, do not just focus on the traditional way, focus on what's beside. Or when I met your colleagues from Deering Bay in South Miami, the first course I ever had in entire Florida where no single alligator was there. The reason is quite simple. They don't have alligators, they have crocodiles. So therefore, that's of course been one of the things. It's part of the experience. I didn't feel frightened. I didn't see any threat by them. But I think it was definitely necessary to take a couple of close pictures to them. And that's the same, as I just mentioned, I've been to South Africa in March this year. Wildlife there is amazing. And I won't forget, for instance, when I've been at the Legend uh, Golf and Safari Resort, when I was driving between the uh, third green and the fourth tee off box, and suddenly to my left, there was a whole bunch of zebras. Where in the world will you see that? So I have to admit, I, I took more pictures of the wildlife instead of the greens and stuff like that. Although uh, the fourth uh, hole has been designed by Bernard Langer. So what I did, I returned and took the pictures of the hole itself. And that's this, uh, this approach that I want to share with the users, just trying to bring them more or less virtually to the spot in order to support their decision-making process. Is that a course I want to enjoy or is that a bit out of the way I'm personally enjoying the game? To your point about turning around and looking behind you, on the gold course at Tiburon, hole number seven, yeah. the, the green, it's, it's an awesome hole. you got to hit a little cut uh, yeah. a little on the on the tee box, not much room to work with. You get to the green, turn around and look from the green. It totally different view. And quite exactly. frankly, I think it would be better if it went green to tee because of the view with the yep. trees and everything that's that's there. So I, I like that you're thinking that way. And I, I haven't been very versed on taking photos and videos of golf stuff. And in my current role at Tiburon, I'm being forced to look and think like a photographer slash videographer yep. and, you know, the cut shots and the different things that we're doing. And we've got a video team that we work with. It's a local vendor. And, you know, he'll say, hey, go out and shoot this. I need this for the, the video that we're producing. And I'm like, 
why would that shot make sense? But it always does. And I'm learning and trying to become better at that. And you definitely have a knack for that. So now you talked about being at the PGA show. I've been five times to the PGA show. I haven't been in a few years, but that is just, it's like a kid in a candy store whenever I'm there, like so much stuff to see and do at this year's show. I mean, it's been a few months now, but what did you see? What did you learn? What did you buy? Kind of what was your experience like this year? Well, it's interesting because I would say I'm definitely not the typical PGA show visitor. I'm not spending much time with clubs. I'm not spending much time with shoes and apparel because when I'm attending the PGA show, my focus is pretty, pretty clear on B2B business. So I'm the guy that talks about interfaces and stuff like that with many, many software companies. I'm the one that discusses with companies, how can we enhance the experience and stuff like that. Well, what did I buy? <clears throat> I bought, well, as I mentioned, I bought the Padcaster. I bought um, the Flightman Mevo, which I personally consider a very useful training tool, which you can simply put into your pocket. And it's once again, one of those tools that are using the more or less state-of-the-art combination with smartphones and tablets to show all the data. And it's really, as I always say, it's the trackman uh, for the private golfer, and it really helps you to improve your game. But on the other hand side, uh, I have spent much, much time on a thing which is currently discussed very, very intensively all over the world. It's the pace of play. I had an interview with uh, a company which is called Tech Marshall. They are doing tracking systems and they are doing a fantastic job. I really have to admit that. Uh, by the way, it could be one of the reasons why you should go to South Africa because they have one of the headquarters down there. It's very accurate. One of their co-founders is from Germany. And interestingly, he's not far away in some town from where I'm living. It's uh, what golfers might know in Germany. It's the famous course of St. Leon Road. That's where he originally comes from. And so I discussed with them and I met on their booth um, Bill Gates, who is the expert regarding the pace of play. We had a fantastic chat. In the meantime, I did an interview with Bill that we're currently publishing in Golf Manager. And another thing that really impressed me, and it was a mixture of the show itself and their location in Orlando was definitely top golf. Because I have to admit, first of all, I consider it just like being more or less just a game. I remember, I think someone said, um, uh, when I posted a picture on Facebook, well, is it something golfers will go to? And the interesting answer is definitely a clear yes. But what impressed me most is most golfers that go there take non-golfers with them. And it's for me, it's really the perfect way to introduce people to golf. It was so really fantastic to see how people who never have had a single golf ball before were really caught up by the game, how they tried to get the ball flying and stuff like that. And so therefore, I had a meeting with their uh, business development um, vice president, and it was a fantastic experience to see how they are approaching it. I don't know if people know that they also have taken over um, the company Shot Tracer. It's now called Top Tracer, which provides two technology to, for instance, driving ranges and stuff like that. So I think they are really bringing up the game of golf to the next level. 
And of course, I had a look at many, many other things like, for instance, the software tools for, let's say, beverage cards where you can order, where you can pay, stuff like that. BevCard is a wonderful solution for that. I checked up with other suppliers that are doing stuff uh, with that, starting from scorecards, uh, continuing with other aspects. For instance, what's definitely neglected uh, in Germany, children's apparel in the Preuschhaus. And so we discovered two companies, unfortunately just from the United States, but I think they might be able to sell their goods in Europe as well. So that's been those parts of the show I'm spending my time with. That's awesome. I did. There's a lot of good restaurants right there by the convention center too. I mean, not to not to get away from the business side of golf, but there's some good places to eat right there. Definitely. And even some more to drink, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was getting at. Thank you for picking that up. It's early where you are. Now, you talk about Tag Marshall. They're coming on the show later this season. So Bob will be on the show later this season. So that's a good segue to that. So that's very fun that you've met with those guys. Now, let's go back to your photos real quick. So you obviously use some pretty he hefty equipment what sort of cameras are you using how are you shooting those 360 pictures and what are you using to edit these images like they're incredible photos well starting with the 360 photos it's a german startup it's called panono and the lovely tool they are providing is the camera itself looks like a ball it has 36 lenses you can either throw it in the air hopefully you later on catch it up so that's not the way I'm using the camera. You can put it on a tripod, which I personally prefer because it gets more stability to the pictures. And what's normally the most challenging part of 360 degrees pictures, stitching, that's done by a tool on their server. So all I've got to do is I'm loading up the pictures via my smartphone, which is by the way, the remote control of the camera as well. And then they will do the rest. I can add it if I want, but normally I can just take them and they also provide tools to embed them into websites. You can use an iframe uh, code that they will uh, provide. That's one of the parts. It is regarding 360 degrees. Once again, the difference between tools and toys, this is a tool and that's why it's definitely pricey. But if you're using it for professional purposes, it's definitely worth it. Regarding the, let's say ordinary photography, of course, I'm using my DSLR cameras. I've always been uh, a Nikon fan. In the meantime, I'm having a mixture of Nikon cameras and Canon cameras as well. I'm having my zoom lenses. I'm having the tally zoom lenses. The lungs I'm currently using, that's the one I used for the wildlife on the recent trip, is 840 millimeters. So that's really quite a good one. And I'm really looking forward to using that camera on this year's Open at Carnoustie because I think they're going to deliver a couple of amazing shots of the players from the practice rounds, especially. And of course, as you know, the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. I just added up for the very first time a drone. I was really fascinated by all the reports on the DJI Mavic Air. So I said, okay, that's really manageable because it just has less than 500 grams weight. That's perfect. It shoots with more than 13 million pixels. So that's a pretty amazing quality. It has so many features regarding photography as well as just video taking. So I'm currently setting up with that as well. And it gives a real new look at a course. 
If you just go up, let's say, by 10 meters, a hill looks completely different. So That's awesome. checking out that. Bring your drone to Tiburon. We've had a lot of people shoot drone photos, and a couple of a couple of really good photos have come. And I I would love yeah. to like do like like back lawn up above the clubhouse, the opposite direction over nine and eighteen, maybe right over the yep. lake. I mean, there's so exactly. many options at Tiburon. Yeah. Of course, that's cool. Now, before we went live, I did tell you that this was going to be a half an hour or less. Well, we're already forty minutes in, and we've got one more question on your front nine. So we're, we're almost halfway through. The back nine will go much faster, I assure you. But sure. I have just, every time we talk, like it's just like <laughs> yesterday we saw each other and we kind of did, which is fun. And I can't wait to get back to Europe to, to see you again. But the last question on your front nine is social media. You and I connected with social media. I don't know if we would communicate without Facebook Messenger, quite frankly. That's the only way we really talk. What are the, the networks you're using on a regular basis? You're not on Twitter as much as I wish you were. Yeah. I tag you and stuff, hoping that you're going to pick it up and then just start using it. But what are you using and how do I get you more on Twitter? How do I get you in and active the Google Plus Golf community? we got 27,000 members and growing. Kind of what are you using and what can I do to get you into these other places? Well, the thing is always, it's a typical marketing approach. Follow your customers. And as I think I once told you, Germany is one of the most strict countries regarding user behavior. I think we are worldwide the number one country regarding the percentage of people using Google as a search engine. There is no other country that has a higher percentage of search requests that are done via Google. You will find few people that are using, for instance, Bing or other or Yahoo on the other hand side. And that's the same with social media. I have personally absolutely nothing against Google+, but it's not pretty common in Germany. So it's quite simple. Why should I waste my energy on promoting a community which in Germany is not active? In the past, I always published all my reviews just in German. In the meantime, we've adopted the Google Translator which gives people the opportunity to read our reviews in different languages as well. So from that part, yes, we are now ready to go to the next step. Facebook is definitely the number one social media, which I love, for instance, sharing opinions, getting feedbacks. Instagram is all about photos. And that's the way I think it's more the promotional part. If you post a photo on Instagram and people like the course, they will definitely request, how can I play it? Where can I play it? And stuff like that. Twitter, well, it's a difficult relationship. Well, Twitter in Germany is used more or less regarding spreading news. It's a very, well, it's quite often used, for instance, for political statements, for statements that are used in the context of society. If it's perhaps about crisis management, you will find many, many informations on Twitter at first hand. Many journalists from, for instance, all the TV stations, they are using Twitter. But once again, especially in Germany, Twitter is not used for more or less sharing emotions. It's more sharing facts. And I think golf is emotion and not just facts. Facts are part of the business, of course. And therefore, we have no real community and that's for me the difference between uh, twitter on the one hand side and 
stuff like Google Plus or Facebook on the other hand side to say, there we have your communities. You can join a group. You can, for instance, like fan pages. Twitter is all about more or less the same kind of account. Of course, you can do your account as a company as well, but the behavior, the instruments you may use are almost all the same. And that's very simply the reason. And there's a final reason. It's time, because there's one thing I'm absolutely convinced of. It's not appropriate to share exactly the same post on all social media channels. I so amen. Oh my goodness. And, hey. and as well as, uh, there are tools that would do that. I could just edit a post in a tool and then the tool would spread it at any time I'm defining to any social media channel I'm defining. But that's absolutely not paying back. And so therefore, it's quite simple. If you have limited resources, focus on what you personally consider seems to be the most successful. We'll see how this develops. That, that might be the best thing ever said on this show right there. Thank you for that. It's lazy. It's obvious when you do it. And quite frankly, if and when you do it, it bothers me so much. But I'm flipping through Facebook and I see Twitter handles or Instagram handles. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. That makes me – you've made my day like that right there. Now, that's your front nine. Let's have some fun. Are you ready for your back nine? Sure. What's your favorite PGA Tour major? I have a feeling you're going to say the Open, but maybe not. Uh, US PGA or Worldwide PGA? The the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour that's over here. Okay, yeah, then you're sure it's the Open. It's the eldest major we have. Good answer. I can't wait until <laughs> we move to Europe so that I can say that and, and mean it and know that that's in good company. You know, I'm liking objectives. Your objective is clear. It's 2021 because that's when there will be the next celebration of the Open. And of course, without the celebration, the Open is going to be hosted in 2021 at St. Andrews. It's a must, absolutely. And that may or may not be where Tiger breaks Jack's record, but that's for a conversation for another day. Now, speaking of golf, we've played together in the past. We're going to play together here in August later this year. We're going to be playing in Northern Ireland. You've played the course, so do I get yeah. some you know, local knowledge, and how many strokes do I get? Uh, local knowledge is don't be too much amazed by the scenery. That's why we'll take you to the Giants Causeway prior to playing the course. You don't Good have call. to always at the Giants Causeway. It's pretty important. The next quite simple advice I will give you is always focus on the next shot. It seems so simple and easy. You will remember this when we will play the course. I know my third advice is someone you will simply neglect. Take a caddy. They have fantastic caddies at Royal Portrush. And so therefore the local knowledge, it's, well, it's provided by the caddy because the local knowledge depends on where your ball lies for the next shot. But I didn't take a caddy at the old course, but I played with a member. So he was my caddy because I kept trying to walk next to him and see if he would share some insights on the golf course. Well, I have to, I've got a very, very fine relation with Royal Portrush, but I'm still not a member. <laughs> I'll allow it though. You're close. I mean, <laughs> hopefully I get, you're having an interview with the general manager and hopefully yeah. I'll get the, the chance to meet her. That would be fantastic. To Definitely. Tell yeah. And tell her I came all that way to meet her. So whether that's true or not, I can't <laughs> go to the golf course and to see you, but 
So you recently played the newly remastered Black Horse at Tiburon. I remember standing on the first tee. I wish I could have played with you, but I had to work that day. You wrote an awesome review. So thank you. Let's talk a little bit about that course, the changes, and and what did you experience from tee to green? I know you had a couple of birdies out there. What was the experience like versus reading the blog post? Give us a little overview of what that what that experience was like. Well, for me. What I really love, I love to play long iron shots. And that's exactly the course to do that. So I started like, I think like many, many golfers will do taking the driver, hitting a tee shot. I did it for the first time. And later on, I think from the fourth or fifth hole on, approximately half of my tee off shots have been long iron shot. And that was absolutely amazing. The other thing, it is from the design a typical parkland course, but the fairways are not that narrow as some other parkland courses are. So you have to be a shot maker on the one hand side, but on the other hand side, it's not necessary that you really have to focus on um, just don't be too much to the left, too much to the right. And I love the challenge regarding course management on that course, because it's really depending on, are you on the left side of the fairway, on the right side of the fairway, and this will ease or make the next shot more difficult. So therefore, that's been definitely the challenge with that course and the fairways, the greens were in a fantastic condition. We had bright sunshine that day. We had almost no wind. It was simply the perfect day for a round of golf. You talk about hitting irons and, and woods off the tee. On that course, depending on the tees that you play, and actually any of the tee, you don't need driver on one, two, three, four is a par three, five, six is a par five. Quite frankly, six, you don't even need to hit driver on the par five. Seven is a par three, eight, you don't hit driver on. Nine is a par five that driver (laughs) makes sense, but you can't get there in two regardless. So you could literally not hit driver on the entire front nine. 10, you don't need driver. 11, you need driver. 12 is a par three. Like it just, yeah, you need driver two or three times on that golf course. So that's, that's really interesting that you say that. Uh, I'm using an iron too as well, so well, I could play the entire course without driver. So you've played a lot of golf courses, a lot of good golf courses, but you haven't played them all. What is the sure. course that sits at the top of your bucket list? Well, there is a clear number one, and uh, really I'm afraid it might stay a dream. It's, of course, Augusta, definitely. Next one... Is what I'm currently, I have to admit, working on. It's uh, the ocean course of um, Kiawa in South Carolina. And Tupacy Sawgrass is definitely on my bucket list. I and... hope the PGA isn't watching, but don't. It's good, and it's good for 16, 17, and 18, but the money, I don't know. It seems pricey for the, for the experience. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things you have to check. And talking about price of courses, of course, I think one round at Pebble Beach Links is definitely a must. Okay. I'll allow on the other hand side, there are a couple of other courses on my bucket list, and they are quite simple. I can't really name all of them. I simply call them the hidden gems. And it's the hidden gems of Lynx golf courses, especially in Scotland, for instance, um, People know King's Barnes course. In the meantime, there is another course just opposite um, near Troon in Irvine in Scotland. It's Dundonald Links. 
He's now improving. He's becoming more famous. I had the opportunity to play that course when it was pretty unknown at that time. It has the same course designer. Both King's Barnes and Dundonlings are Carl Phillips courses. And it was such an amazing experience. And that's one of the things I'm really looking for. On the one hand side, of course, playing some of the really famous and well-known courses. But really, it's fun to say, where is the hidden gem? Where is a course that is currently underrated and that makes definitely sense to be promoted a bit more? And which is, for instance, a good bargain. So, so last year, I discovered one in uh, Ireland. It's called Corbellus Links. They are charging a green fee for an 18-hole links course that is less than, let me just recalculate, in, it's definitely less than um, $45 US on a regular weekday. And that's a fantastic experience that you can get. So I, to answer that question for me, I like to say that the next course that I haven't played is at the top of my bucket list because I never know what's going to be my last round yep. and I never know how amazing that round's going to be. Yeah, I, I love that. So there are a lot of golf movies out there. What's your favorite? No question, Caddyshack. Yeah, that's a, that's a popular answer. One of these days, I ask that in every episode of this show. One of these days, I'm going to go back and maybe now's a good time. Like in the first 100 episodes, the, the number one answer was X, Y, and Z. That could be fun. Uh, I did have a guest not long ago say The Legend of Bagger Vance, and he meant it. I think he might have been kidding, but he meant it. <laughs> but by the way, Bagger Rance is a wonderful shot. Uh, and by the way, glad you asked me because if you would have asked Sergio Thea, he might have said Tin Cup due to his experience uh, at the Masters this year. It's, it's always depending on what you like. What I like with Caddyshack definitely, it shows that golf is not always such a strong behavior required and stuff like that. And it really gives us a different approach on how golf can be considered as well. And that's what good comedy should be about. And it does a great job with that. And we had uh, last season, the uh, executive producer of Tommy's Honor was on this show. Yeah. And it was great to learn more about that. And that was right before I went to San Andrews. So to be able to hear that story and just, I, I maybe, maybe later this season, we should get some, some, somebody from, you know, from a happy Gilmore or a caddy chef. <laughs> Bill Murray would obviously be an ideal guest to have on. So, yeah. Maybe one day we can get him on. Now, you uh, travel well, you travel a lot. What's your favorite? Sorry to interrupt you. If you want to interview Bill Murray, it's quite easy. Go to his restaurant, Caddyshack, at the World Cup Hall of Fame. Make an appointment. He's there. It's a wonderful location. So I think after 100 shows, time to leave the office and go live. Well, and that club at the World Golf Hall of Fame is a Troon property. So I'm just saying yep. I got it in. <laughs> And, and to your comments about Augusta, now I by any means have no promise on saying this, but I don't think that it's going to be as hard as you think to play that golf course in the future. It's about the people you know and the timing yeah. that plays into that. And I honestly think that you'll play Augusta National. And I, I know people personally that have played it. I work with people that have played it. I work with people that have played it so many times that they don't even think it's that big of a deal. So I just think it's about meeting the right people at the right time. And I think you'll eventually yeah. mark that off your bucket list. So you travel a lot. Do you have a favorite airline? And what's your favorite airport to have a layover in? Uh, my favorite airline is definitely our national airline Lufthansa because they are doing a wonderful job 
I'm not one of those guys that are always trying to blame their national carrier. They are doing a wonderful job. There is a pretty close number two, that's Emirates. And that brings me to your second part of the question. My favorite layover airport, no question, Dubai. See, and I haven't been to Dubai. Like, rub it in. I need to go. And what's funny about that, that I haven't been, I was literally an email away from taking a job in Abu Dhabi. So okay. I would have flown into Dubai. So I was one email away from going to Abu Dhabi. Just a matter of time. I just need to take a week, week and a half, and just go over there, play some golf. We have some amazing true managed properties in the Middle East. So fine. Twist yeah. my arm. I'll go. Yeah, absolutely. I had the pleasure to play a couple of them. Wonderful what? courses. This is not one of the questions, but where did you play? Uh, I played um, Abu Dhabi Golf Club. I played Sariat. I played Yaslinks. I played... Um, Yaslinks is not true. Boo. <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> I'm always telling your team from the international section, that's the club to grab. Um, I also played um, the Al's Club Dubai, in Dubai. Club is fantastic. I've, I've experienced Al Sora. I've experienced the first and only club in Ajman, by the way. Yep, I had the honor to play Alhambra exactly on the day when the contract with Troon was signed. Which <laughs> was a lucky coincidence. You better have had a Troon shirt on, preferably a Tiburon shirt, because you always have a Tiburon shirt on. I just need to send you a box of Tiburon shirts so that you always have a Tiburon shirt. <laughs> oh, you know, you can't buy me, can rent me. No. <laughs> That's great. So what golf ball are you currently playing? There's a lot of them to choose from. Um, currently, I'm playing um, my woods from TaylorMade, and I'm playing my irons from a small German company called Edelmetall. My putter is an even roll putter, which is absolutely amazing. Now, be very careful how you answer this next question, because this means a lot to me, and this has been asked on every episode of okay. this show. He's above me. He's all around me. He's in my heart. Do you think Tiger breaks Jack's record? Why or why not? And it just thundered right now, like there's a thunderstorm happening. As soon as I said that, thunder went off behind me. So I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. <laughs> well... Unfortunately, I think he's not going to break Jack's record regarding the majors. The reason is quite simple. We have so many very, very good young players that I think it's more difficult nowadays to win a major than it has been at Tiger's Peak in the late 1990s and early 2000s. I'm definitely really, really happy to see him back on the course I think what we saw, for instance, during the Players' Championship with his third round shows he is still able to win tournaments. I'm absolutely convinced he will tournaments in the future. But regarding majors, just count how many people, he needs four more wins. How many people have grabbed four major wins in the last 10 years? We have so many fantastic players, starting from DJ. Justin Thomas, who's now picking up the world number one. Henrik Stenson, he had to be so patient to win his very first major and was so emotional to see him finally win it at Royal Road. It was one of the best experiences I ever had. So, so therefore, I think competition is too strong. And it's partly just 
one or two shots that make the difference finally, whether he will win the tournament or not. So you might have seen last year with Jordan Spieth against uh, Kuch. It was just a minimal uh, difference between the two of them. And so therefore, it's really, really hard to win. You can see how much, for instance, Rory currently is targeting to complete the career grand slam. All he needs is the green jacket, and it's such a hard struggle for him. So therefore, I would really be delighted if he would break the record. And I think Jack Nicklaus will be the first one to congratulate because he's a great sportsman. He's really currently the living heritage of the game. I love his designs. I love his whole attitude. He's, by the way, one of the guys I'm really liking to follow on social media. But I think definitely time is against Tiger. He might do it later on, but I'm pretty convinced if he would go on, he might break the record of German uh, of Bernhard Langer on the seniors tour. Tiger that will definitely never be passing a club on the Champions Tour. <laughs> I'm not even sure he knows what the Champions Tour is. Like he's not going to play on that. He's never going to be an honorary starter at Augusta. He's playing to win championships, to win majors, to break that record. He gets the well, most wins record. I think he gets the most wins record next year, maybe the year after, yeah. if he stays healthy. And I yeah, honestly think sure. I don't think he wins. I think he wins one, maybe two events this year. I don't think he gets a major. But Chip Essick from the PGA of America was on um, on on the show uh, not long ago, and I asked him that same question, and yeah. he said that if Tiger wins one more major championship, yeah. he breaks the record. And I need Tiger to not tie the record. Tie in, it's not good enough. If you're going to tie it, don't even get close yeah, to it. Yeah, break it by one, maybe even two, to shut Johnny Miller up. I need mm -hmm. him to get to it and at least break it by one. And I, I honestly think that it's feasible. This most recent performance at TPC Sawgrass showed me a little bit of the he could and he can. Yeah. And I just really hope he does. Yeah. So I appreciate your, your thought-provoking answer versus just saying no and moving on to the next question. And that does lead us to our final question of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play presented by Easy Golf. And the final question of this monumental 100th episode, my champagne glass is almost empty, so I think it might have to be empty before we end. <laughs> besides for the fact that you're going to jump on a train here, it's still dark where you are, but besides the fact that you're going to jump on a train, what's next for Michael? Well, quite, quite easy. Today it's Munich, tomorrow it's um, the middle part of Germany, and then I'm heading to Ireland to experience some of the wonderful courses they are providing out there. This time I spent most time on the West Coast, which means the Wild Atlantic, and I'm playing one of the most traditional courses they are providing, La Hinge, which I'm really looking forward to. And yeah, that's one of the next business trips. One of the ways I'm spending public holidays that we have in Germany, just doing some travel. You, travel. Who would have thought? Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see all of that content online. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been absolutely fantastic. It's fitting that this episode lasted an hour because we normally save the series finale, or the, I'm sorry, the season finale for uh, an hour episode. But why not make episode 100 an hour? <laughs> we could have gone on for more because this has just been so sure. great talking to you. This episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play is going to be on iTunes. It's going to be on Google Play via podcast. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on Twitter. It's not hard to find the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. So, Michael, I look forward to seeing you in August in Dublin so, uh, as we head up to Royal Port Rush to play some golf and check out where they built the Titanic so I can mark something off my bucket list. 
And as always, for the 100th time, and hopefully we have 100 more right behind it on the hashtag Wednesday Match Plays, you have to remember to eat, sleep, golf. <laughs>